perfect. So first of all, thank you for having me uh, here. I am a research scientist at the University of Texas in at Austin. And for, um, let's say that the last 12 years of my life, I've been interested in studying what happens in our brain when we generate ideas. Specifically when we have like these epiphanies, you know, these are called like uh, aha moments, which are like idea, the ideas that are more likely to lead to a creative uh, solution. Okay, 2001, A Space Odyssey. I'm sure that we've all seen this movie, but maybe not everybody recalls that this masterpiece begins with one of the most iconic insight of the history of cinema. So it's when an ape finds an alternative use of a bone as a weapon, and you can see it here playing. And this discovery gives to the animal advantage over other group mates. And towards the end of the scene, I'm sure you, have, you, re, you remember it, um, the animal gets mad, okay, and throws the bone into the sky, which in a flash forward of a million of years, rotating cross fades into a space shuttle, symbolizing how many milestones of human evolution have been possible thanks to a sudden insight. So the, um, the scientific study of insight problem solving began in a very similar way with a chimp this time uh, having an insight on how to uh, reach a banana that was hanging from the ceiling by piling up some boxes. And the same happens when we approach a problem to solve. We just put all the elements of the problem in a mental scenario. But it's only when we restructure this initial representation of the figure or of the problem that we are able to actually um, solve the problem or like see the switch in between the two images. And this restructuring often happens as like all of a sudden as an aha moment uh, called like technically insight. One of the most emblematic and the famous problem is like the nine dot problems. So what they told to people was like, okay, I'm giving you this task. Uh, you have to connect the dots uh, on this image, okay, with four straight lines without lifting your pen. What happens and why this problem becomes really tricky is that people see more than nine dots here. They see a shape, which is a square, and they are stuck in the implicit assumption that basically they have to remain within this square that doesn't really exist, but we perceive it because this is the way we perceive the world. In fact, in order to solve the problem, people are actually able to solve this problem only when they consider the space surrounding the nine dots, which is this. So in order to solve this problem, they have to break this mental set, this rigid assumption that this is a square, Okay, and they have to stay within the dots. So the same happens when people generate created ideas. So they have to literally start thinking outside the box. And most of the time it's breaking these constraints that help helps us having creative ideas. So <clears throat> I know that not all of the solutions to problems are creative, but I am pretty confident that most of the time we have to have a creative idea, we start with the problems to solve. 
that's why we often compare creativity with problem solving. Or the, the way we studied this is by giving problems to people. So what I'm interested in is how do we generate this idea? Uh, how does our mind all of a sudden pops this, you know, amazing new um, concept and like what are the characteristics of it? So it's kind of like an ineffable moment, which is very difficult to grasp. So we're, I'm talking about like milliseconds. So what I wanted to do is to study this in the brain, you know, to study what happens. So how do we study this? Well, we give problems to people and they have to solve them. So we identify two main ways to generate ideas. The first one is via analysis, when we proceed step by step, okay? Usually this is characterized by a continuous and gradual approach towards the solution. It feels like being in a labyrinth when we're thinking about it, like where our mind is, where it takes trials and error to find the exit. When we proceed step by step, logically, we get to the solution. An insight instead happens like all at once. Suddenly, whatever we're thinking of, it's seen under a new light, okay? And this idea pops into our mind together with a feeling of excitement, pleasure, reward. And we're not even aware of like where this idea comes, okay? But we're very happy about this. We are confident and we know that's right. We know that's the right idea to the point that even Archimedes, the legend says that was, you know, when he had to assess the volume of an irregular object, he had, you know, this insight and he was like so excited that he was just running down the street almost naked and screaming Eureka. Uh, but like, are we sure that Archimedes was, was okay being so confident about his solution? So are we actually really, are these ideas qualitative better? Are they more accurate? What about all of those insights that didn't work? So I decided to just go for it and just figure that out. Then we start thinking, you know, like scientists always have this mentality of like where we question ourselves. We try to falsify our, our hypothesis. Um, okay, well, but maybe in the last five seconds, people were trying to guess. Uh, maybe they weren't so accurate or like maybe in the first two seconds, there wasn't really problem solving. It was like immediate recognition, specifically when they saw uh, those like fragmented lines and images. What happens if we removed all the problems that were solved in the first two seconds and in the last two and in, in the last five when probably they were making more mistakes and guessing? Well, nothing we got exactly the same result. And I calculated the probability of being correct considering we had an insight. And it turned out that 92% of the times when we have these aha moments, we are correct. So the take home message, um, most of the time that we have these like little epiphanies, we have a great idea and that's qualitative higher than other ways that we use to generate ideas. Another interesting thing that was for me was like, but are we really guessing in the last five, five seconds? And then like when people are under pressure, they're running out of time, what kind of ideas we generate? Well, I turned out that like in the last five seconds when we're running out of time, we generate more errors. 
And even better, we do not have creative solutions. This result had a lot of implication when I started thinking of, so what kind of factors impair creativity and uh, like stress or time pressure. So again, the take home message here is that when we're stressed, when at the last minute, just we might solve problems, we're likely to make more errors, but we're definitely not more creative. Uh, or like we don't we don't have more insights, and I think that the reason of why it's it intrinsic in the nature of this discontinuous process. But I promise to you that I was going to talk about this friend of us. Okay, so bear with me in the way I am presenting. It's a lot of experiments. It's probably like 15 years of uh, results, and I try to combine it in a, um, in a simple way. Now we know that this region of the brain is involved in aha moments. Just like, what do we really know about what what does what does this part of the brain does, and uh, what just like, you know how can we get some results and like some theory about like what um, this brain uh, this brain region so we know that like the um, right anterior temporal lobe facilitates processing of distance associated relationship this is extremely important A again imagine like when we store information in our mind if we store it together like an apple and a tree this is like as i said like a little things that happen in our in our brain and then we're trying to capture if it's really happening and what are like the even like behavioral response to it so we know that people when people are aroused um tend to just our pupil dilate more so I did an experiment using eye tracking and it turned out that around 200 milliseconds okay before the response people's pupil dilate more when we had an insight. So that was actually the first visible response, uh, the first marker that was like visible to the human eye about like these little epiphanies. So I know it's just like a pupil response, but we see it, it's real. It's not something that just happens in our mind. You know, it's a behavior that we are showing. The more interesting question is, we're trying to catch the moment of when idea pops into our awareness. We can see a signal in the brain, but like we as thinker coming out with ideas, we don't know what's going on. We know that like the brain has different waves, okay? When we are, when some part of the brain is more involved or like we're doing like active thoughts, we have gamma or like beta waves that was the hypothesis and i decided to test it and looking again like at other markers of this behavior so what it turns out is that in the two seconds before we have an insight as an overlap with these alpha waves people tend to blink more to close that we close our eyes more um, as like a physical suppression of information that gets into our mind. But we also do something very, very interesting um, that I, I know you know what I'm talking about, okay? It's something that we all do. And it's funny how, like, it hasn't really been studied. It's 
it's really, really funny. I looked at, I called it the looking at nothing behavior. So when we are engaged in deep thinking, we do not look at the person we're talking to, but we avert our gaze and we look somewhere else, like at the corner of the room. There is really nothing there, right? But I'm not looking at it. There is, there is, the solution of my problem is not there, but I tend to look at this like white wall or like outside of the window, probably because the person I'm talking to and the face I'm talking to is a source of a lot of information that's distracting. So it seems that people have their best ideas when they are um, behaving, when they're behaving like that, when they're shutting their eyes or looking away. The best advice that I, I often give to people when they are in an impasse or when they have to come up with, with an idea, now that we know there is this like overlap, is just go for a walk. Do not look at your phone because that's a source of a lot of distractors and, and information. Um, take a nap. Stop like overthinking and letting a lot of information crowding on your mind. And maybe when we relax a little bit, um, we're going to go back to our problem and have more creative ideas. We do have our best ideas when we're just about to fall asleep or when we wake up in the middle of the night because we don't have visual distractors. But like, you know, those moments when we we wake up in the middle of the night, we often were very like anxious and we started overthinking about problems and stuff like that uh, because we're less inhibited, you know. That's not the time of thinking of like your life problems, okay? Or like what kind of bills you're going to pay, if you're going to make whatever. That's the time to work. That's the time to just come up with your best creative ideas because your brain is set up in a better way to just connect this information that's decently related. Um, there is another interesting thing that I wanted to share with you and it's more related to a real life scenario. I try to recreate a situation where someone has to take on a project, okay? Like for instance, you have to write um, the screenplay for a movie, but there is a lot of money on it, okay? So the way we accept these jobs is basically a bet on our ability to solve a problem, to write something that we haven't even done yet. And we don't know if, I act, if we are actually going to be able to do it. So there is this kind of like pressure that might affect our creative performance. So what I tried to do in a little experiment was like recreate this scenario. So I had two groups, but in the experimental group, I told people, well, how many cents would you bet in your ability to solve a problem that you're gonna see right after. So they haven't seen the problem, okay? Uh, but they just have to bet from one to five cents on the fact that they would have solved it. So the good news is that uh, here, more money improve the performance, okay? So when people bet higher money, <laughs> okay, they solve more problems correctly. So that's, that's good. But were they really more creative? Mm, so not really. 
As you can see in the control group, usually people overall, they have more answers via insight. But when I apply this kind of like risk of failing uh, related to money, their performance goes down and they get more analytical. Looks like women were better at handling this situation. <laughs> so in the risk scenario, when there was a bat, females were better than males in problem solving. So now that we know that money doesn't really help us, most like it stresses us. Uh, and after like everything I, I share with you, the question is always so... How do we how do we get more insights? How do we get more of these like creative ideas? Um, we cannot switch on and off this light bulb. That's that's the clear message. There is not such a way. But we can facilitate this to happen uh, by you know this kind of like little tricks, not overcrowd uh, our. Uh, our mind with like visual inputs by not having like a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. Uh, definitely do not think of money. Uh, the best um, quote that I give is, is it comes from like John and Mark's book, The Eureka Factor. I highly recommend it to you. Is that like insights are like cats. They can be cocks, but they usually don't come when they're cold. And this is... Um, my cat in Italy, when I call, she's on the, she's just loves like going on the roof. And then when I call her, she knows I'm calling her, but she doesn't want to come back. So listen, we had a, we had <laughs> half an hour discussion after your fantastic talk. And we, to, but we found it really difficult to uh, come up with questions and to, to try and figure out a way of responding to you. Um, mm -hmm. But we want to go back to basics because you were talking about this idea of the aha moment and you started with 2001. So you have a, a, a situation there where you have these early mankind um, starving. They need to find a way forward, otherwise they're going to die. And somehow one of them has this moment of insight and uses the bone as a weapon. Yeah, so they don't starve. So it's problem solving. So the big question for us is, are we talking about the same thing? Is what we do as screenwriters problem solving? For instance, you know, if you're writing a screenplay, uh, maybe towards the end, you're looking for a way to bring everything to some kind of conclusion. And you you're looking for that aha moment and you arrive at it, but it's not, but is it the same thing as problem solving? That's the big question. So, all right, first of all, when we study creativity, um, some people focus more on the whole process. I focus specifically on idea, the idea generation. So how we come up with these little things. I decided to just nail it in this like, epiphanies this instant um we don't the question of like is creativity problem solving or vice versa i honestly do not have an answer for it i know for sure that not all the pro all the solutions to problems are creative however i'm still wondering if 
every creative idea, every creative journey starts with a problem to solve. Because this is the way we're we're studying it, but we might be completely wrong and just that's how science goes. Can we, but the, the, to answer this question, <clears throat> I always wonder, so is there a scenario of when we have to come up with a creative product to have a creative IP idea and we do not have a problem to solve? Yes, I, I would say, so, so that would be our immediate and also impulsive intuitive answer, maybe not true. Uh, I don't know, because I like what you say, you kind of slice the process into thin slices, and one of them is solving a problem and gen that by generating an idea. But most of the time, uh, it's like, it's not a problem that has an answer. It would, like, uh, like you said, it's about creating problems. Or I would say it's, uh, it's about asking, asking a question it would and and there would never be a solution there would never there yeah, would never be one solution like yours is is pointing at a problem that a question that, that has a solution or has an answer but but i i feel that's pretty far from where we are working we do not have specific answers that's not the right answer or the wrong answer. Can, can I just add to that? Just to, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with the tarot at the moment, you know, as you know. <laughs> so we, we were experimenting with a simple tarot, use of mm -hmm. the tarot cards to yeah. encourage storytelling. And the, the first thing you do is you lay a card down and you say, this is my protagonist. You don't know what it is, you turn it up, and then you look at the protagonist and then you start reading the card and you cross-reference. But the job all the time is to ask one question after another question after another question. So, and the trick is not to even think of the answers. So the idea is just to ask lots of questions and to keep on going with the questions until you ask a question which seems to have great potency to it. In other words, it's a kind of aha moment. It's, it, there's something about the question which makes you excited, which seems to have uh, many possibilities, and you're resisting answering it. It's, it's a description of the same kind of thing, asking many, 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 many questions and, and resisting any, any answer or solving any problem. So by not thinking of the character of the of 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 the, whatever you're writing you know but keep asking question you don't let this um initial representation to just create a fair framework that's rigid until like you keep reshaping it by this question and the idea comes out um that's how i see it in regards to um it's, it's like having like a closed question or an open question. We, we're talking about what's in the literature is defined as convergent thinking versus divergent mm. thinking. The fact that there is an answer to our problems, it just allows us to set up an, a, a way to determine the accuracy of it. But the way we generate ideas, it's, I mean, to me personally, I know there are a lot of scientists that like are going to disagree with me, but uh, the way we generate ideas is not related to the, to the convergent or divergent 
solution that we find. It's how we generate it. The fact that we use one problem or another, you know, it just allows us to test its accuracy. But most of the time, yes, we are in front of open questions. And there isn't just one solution. There are multiple. Some of them are uh, better than others. Mm. Mm. So the point is that we use convergent thinking problems to just assess the quality of our ideas because otherwise, how do we assess the quality of an idea? Usually one of the tasks is just find as many uses as possible of a brick, all right? So there isn't anything to assess if that idea is 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 correct or incorrect. What we do, we just come up with um, some criteria like originality, novelty, and, and so on. There isn't really a, a very good methodology to assess this. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. like it, it could be that, I don't know, in, 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 a, in, in a certain historical moment, some ideas might look more original than others. So I never really like... Um, that subjectivity of that measure. So that's why we use these kind of problems uh, because I know there is a right and there is a wrong answer. Mm. 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 So it's, it's a methodological question, I think. We know we were talking just now about uh, a screenplay and how it, you are often asking questions, making connections, uh, and it, it gives an illusion of there being uh, a unified whole. But at the same time, you don't want to close everything down. So you're looking for a unity which remains open somehow. Um, yeah. And how, how you... Some, sometimes you don't have an answer that. and you know. keep it open. Uh, so the, I don't re- really know how to, f- to, to say my question, but formulate it. But, it. but it had to do with the other disturbing thing you said, which was that we choose our approach before we even know the question. Yeah. Was that right? In another study, uh, we saw that even before we see the problem, our mind already is preparing into different ways. So specifically, they found like different waves, again, in the visual cortex that start like priming, okay, mm. the way we're going to approach the problem. In the same way, before we, so- we see a problem that we're going to solve analytically, our visual cortex is more active mm. and we blink less. Mm. We haven't seen anything yet. Mm. Whereas like for an insight, our visual cortex again has mm. alpha waves and then we blink more. So there is a state of mind that leads, it's more likely to lead towards like one process versus another. Is it also... Yeah. Do you think it also has to do with the context of, you know, of your research context? That because it's a a situation. Imagine being in a super crowded environment. Imagine being like in Times Square in New York City, where like you keep having like flashing, you know, like advertisement and people and and the noises on the street. Like you're definitely not going to have your best ideas there or like your best insights. But even think about like virtual environments. You have like advertising coming like and popping, just everything moves in. Everything is constantly attracting our attention. There are some studies that show that actually being on the, you know, on the on the phone or on the internet too much. We're just we're just thinking of what's going on there. We don't have this like time to step back and reflect. Mm. 
It's, it's, which it's, is leading it's, to it's, more creative ideas. Can I ask you another question about this dopam the reward thing? Uh, mm -hmm. That that uh, I find that uh, that the reward is there in itself by the dopamine effect, the, the happiness, yeah. the yeah. satisfaction, and and in my in my everyday, there are a lot of people who are all the quick solution uh, people who are, you know, they're kind of more or less addicted to this reward feeling. If you get the reward feeling, it's like this was a success. So you can kind of hunt these moments and you can, uh, it can be seductive in a good and a bad way, of course. But I just thought about how, what do you think of that? Because you also try to put an extra reward to it. Do you have any thoughts and do you understand yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and I, or... I've, been th I've been thinking about dopamine a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, that my experiments were like specifically to assess like, you know, how money and that kind of like stress that's created by money specifically um, affect like the performance. In regards to the dopamine system, we can open like a big chapter. First of all, like I love it. And I, there is a lot of evidence showing that creativity and creative people are, you know, driven by dopamine boosts. We mm. know that. We just met uh, yesterday and are doing this thing for two days and the first thing we did was to start a lot of a joking uh, conversation and I think that what we did is kind of what we do when we enter creative processes. We kind of create an atmosphere where the dopamine gets started and so it's like dopamine generates insights, generates dopamine, gener you know, so it's like generates this playfulness. Definitely, in fact like but it's not my study, but like we saw that um, positive mood triggers insights. Yeah, yeah. we know that. Yeah. But also think about like in, in general deep emotions, but think about how many novels and music and poetry has been written when people are in love. Yeah. If that's yeah. not positive mood and if that's not dopamine. Yeah, and it's, <clears throat> it's strange this business about circumnavigating, about you know, um, working on a piece, or, or doing a piece of work or, or, or concentrating on a piece of writing and feeling that it's not working properly. And the idea of going for a walk, sure, or you go to an art gallery and look at something. But, yeah. but I think you get used to knowing that what you're really doing is that, is, is that piece of work but now you're going to go away and you look away from it and somehow looking away from it allows it to allows it to be working on its own somehow in your brain yeah and bring in more emotions it's a, mm. this is why we cannot work with you know a deadline or anything like that because we cannot tame these no. ideas mm. it's like cats it's like it's a, i mm. love that the metaphor because like sometimes ideas just don't come mm. and we cannot force to have a product that's not driven by all of this motivation because we know when we have the great idea we go for it and we get it done 
But if we don't have that, it's it's a big problem because then we start like feeling more and more anxious and then I'm not producing and then we start feeling bad. So I think that one of the best tricks is just like stop thinking about it and change your emotional state. Allow for like different connections to just pop up, whether it's just going to a gallery or um, even reading a book. Just change like everything that yeah. like... The, the rigid structure that you are in. And to stop trying. The, the biggest know, thing, yeah. don't try. Yes, stop trying. Yeah. But it's uh, just to say that it also has to do with momentum somehow. It's to do with rhythm and momentum, no? Mm. Yeah. It's easy to talk about. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's easy to talk about because we reflect, we have seen this happening. Imagine how difficult it is to actually study this. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Impossible. <laughs> well, we're trying. <laughs> thank you so much. It was thank so you. inspiring. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes, you also gave me like great ideas. It's I always find um, for me to it's very not just inspiring, but like it helps me growing. Like talking to people who have been like in the field or like having to come up with ideas like as a job their whole life and it just gives me it opens up to a lot of like reflection and like